0: Have your Bible, and I hope you do, uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where uh, we're going to concentrate this week and next week. But before we do that, we're looking now at the significance of the five solas. And we're so we're starting to our study of the five solas. And if you look at the top of your notes, it says one way to study the five solas is to ask the question, What must I do to be saved? Now. By now, that question ought to be familiar to you. It is the question that sparked the Reformation. It is the question that tells the story of the Reformation, as we saw from Martin Luther's life. But you can take that question, and it provides one way... Everybody has different ways they want to uh, study the five solas. Some people want to begin with glory alone. Some people want to begin with Christ alone. Some people want to begin with that great Reformation doctor of doctrine of faith alone. But we're going to go what I think is a, a, a logical answer to this question, what must I do to be saved? And so if someone asks that question, if you're asking that question, the first thing we need to ask is, Who has the ultimate authority to answer this question? What must I do to be saved? Well, who has the authority to answer that? And the answer is what? Scripture alone. Scripture alone. So that's why we're going to start with that. But once you say that, the next question is, so what does Scripture alone say we must do to be saved? And the answer is what? Help me out. Faith alone. Okay. Well, faith alone is great, so who and what does Scripture alone say that faith alone must actually trust in? And the answer is Christ alone. There you go, you're waking up. So, according to Scripture alone, what does faith alone and Christ alone actually mean in terms of the basis and ground of our salvation? And the answer is Grace. grace alone. So, according to Scripture alone, what does salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, actually mean, and it means this, to to God be the glory alone. And so, I want you to see that the solas are a summation of the gospel, the solas are practical, you can use them in witnessing, and there's the order that we're going to do. So today, we're going to look at the question, who or what is the ultimate standard of truth and the final authority in what God requires. And the gospel answer is Scripture alone. So take a look, if you would, at this video.
1: In this world, you'll find rules to abide by. How-tos, guidelines, instructions, DIYs. Your culture will provide wisdom and insight that teaches you to rise so you can flourish and thrive for the betterment of your lives. But what directions are truthful? Which of them are lies? Behind every threat of advice we find a strict moral code from those who assume highest authority for these laws to be imposed. But suppose we look over court systems and men in black robes and gaze at the mystery of the supreme God who spoke one word. One word. Breathe from his lips. Read the script from Genesis. God's speech alone has been the avenue by which we have existence. In him only are all things that pertain to life and godliness as it is written. Yet we've submitted to our truth, our pursuits, and our traditions. That's why 95 theses nailed this indecency as error, since we have swerved from the truth and bent to hysteria. Wake up, church! We need to believe every idea. Every suggestion, every person, and every ruler must humbly bow to one word alone, and that is sola scriptura.
0: right. well, that's what we're going to look at today. Now, basically, you could sum up the Reformation as a struggle between... Scripture alone versus Scripture plus. Basically, the Reformation, you have like a like a boxing match. And in this corner, you have the Roman Catholic Church saying Scripture plus. In this corner, you have the Reformer saying Scripture alone, and they're battling it out. And so that's what we're going to look at. Today. And so here's what I want to begin when we look at this, is again, do a little of the historical background so you can get the context and see how that still relates to what we face today. So let's take a look first at the Roman Catholic Church and what it believes. It believes in Scripture plus, not Scripture alone. The Roman Catholic Church believes in Scripture plus, not Scripture alone. And that was true in Luther's day, and it's still true in our day. The Roman Catholic Church believes that the Scriptures are uniquely inspired. So please understand, it's kind of like salvation. If you ask someone who is really into the Roman Catholic Church, uh, do you believe in Jesus for your salvation? They're going to say, what? Yes. Okay, And if you would ask a Roman Catholic... And maybe, you know, there's nominal, there's a kind of casual Roman Catholics, just like there's nominal Baptists, okay? But if you have someone that's really in it, and you say, hey, does the Roman Catholic Church believe that the Scriptures are inspired? What are they going to say? They're going to say, yes. Yes, but it's not just the Scriptures. Or they might even say they're uniquely inspired, but they're going to go ahead and say, as you've seen in your notes, in Luther's day and still in our day, the Roman Catholic Church believes the Scriptures are uniquely inspired, but still gives equal and greater authority. Equal and even greater authority to Scripture plus sacred traditions and teaching authority of the Roman Catholic Church. And you say, whoa, man, you're blowing my mind. That's all right. That's why you're here. We're here to learn, okay? Discovery hour. We're here to discover. So check out what it says there in your chart. It says, final authority in the Roman Catholic Church rests on a three-legged stool that has equal authority. So look, if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to rest myself on the authority of the Roman Catholic Church, you're going to sit on a three-legged stool. What happens if one of those legs is weak or missing? What happens to the stool? It falls apart. And so you've got to understand that the authority of the the local church, Ah, the authority of the Roman Catholic Church rests on all three of these. So notice, the first is sacred scripture. They do believe it's uniquely inspired But it also includes the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha is... So, again, if you say, do you think the Bible is inspired? They're going to say yes, but they're saying yes to more books than the 66 books. So, see, this is why you need to know this information. And they do see it as divine revelation. But the second stool in their authority is sacred tradition. The teachings of the church fathers and councils. In other words human rulings that still have divine authority. It's what people say, but what those people say as part of the Roman Catholic Church has equal authority with divine revelation. The third is the sacred magisterium, magistrates. That is a civil, political, secular, Latin term for rulers. And what the Roman Catholic Church did In the Middle Ages, they joined with the state. And so they started using political terms to describe their church. And it begins to bring church and state together. And so that means sacred rulers. Well, who are those sacred rulers? It's popes, bishops, and church councils that the Roman Catholic Church recognized. And so it refers to human rulers. So here's what you've got. You've got divine revelation, 66 books of the Bible, plus the Apocrypha that come after the Old Testament and before the New. You've got human rulings that are traditions handed down by men, and then you have human rulers, and all three of those have equal authority, and we're going to see in a moment that when anything is equal to Scripture, it soon becomes over-Scripture. So, you can say they are equal, but in practicality, anything that's joined to Scripture begins to take over Scripture. But, the Reformers protested this claim. And let me just give you four basic things that they argued. Here's what they argued 500 years ago regarding this, and it's still true today. The first thing they argued was, this is contrary to the Bible. This is contrary. Scripture Scripture alone. The, scripture alone. the scriptures teach that the scriptures alone have this kind of divine authority. So they said it's not biblical. The second thing they said is this is contrary to what the early church fathers taught. In other words, it's not historical. Or as John Calvin liked to say, the ancient church is on our side. So you claim to be the church, the historical church, but... The early church fathers, we're talking about people after the the apostles had died off, the early church fathers did not teach this nonsense. Thirdly, the third thing that they said was this is a new idea that wasn't introduced until the 12th century. In fact, it's not only old, it's rather new. So they're arguing, remember, from the 1500s, and they're saying, hey, you know, the the early church started 30 to or the apostolic church the new testament church was up until the 100s and they're saying hey in the this didn't come about this idea of equal authority didn't come about till the 1100s furthermore it didn't become fully developed until the 1300s so basically it's not biblical this isn't what you find in the bible It's not historical. The early church fathers, for basically a thousand years, didn't teach it. It's just recent. It wasn't introduced until the 1100s, and it didn't become fully developed until the 1300s. And so that's how they argued. Or, you could just read Luther, who who kind of, being Luther, kind of cuts to the chase. The ungodly papists prefer the authority of the church Far above God's word. A blasphemy, abominable, and not to be endured. Wherewith, void of all shame and piety, they spit in God's face. Truly, God's patience is exceeding great, in that they be not destroyed, but so it always has been. So, strong words from Luther. Uh, Hey, when you make anything equal or even far greater than scripture you're spitting in god's face now that may not be the kind of language you want to do to win friends and influence people for jesus but it's true it's true because when we take god's holy word and exalt the beliefs or the ideas or human rulers over scripture we're spitting in god's authority we're spitting in god's face. Now, sadly, the Roman Catholic Church did not listen to the arguments of the Reformers, and they doubled down on this heresy, and at the Council of Trent in the 16th century, uh, they doubled down on it, and they've yet to recant of this error to this day. Now, I have a quote there from the Council of Trent. So, the Reformers are saying, hey, this is new, it's not biblical, you've just introduced it, And the Roman Catholic Church counters with a church council because, hey, that has equal authority. And they state what's there in your notes, which basically comes down to this. We looked at this last week, so I won't read it. It just says, Scripture and tradition have equal authority and not only equal authority, but they deserve equal reverence. So... We're to revere God's Word, but we're to revere the Council of Trent, and we're to revere popes, bishops, and councils. So, scripture and, t- uh, 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 are, scripture and tradition are given equal authority, but they're also given equal reverence. Wow. That's radical. That's radical. That is Scripture plus. But it gets worse. Because you say, well, that's way back in the 1500s. What about in the 1900s? What about in the 2000s? What does the Roman Catholic Church teach today? And here you have it. In the First Vatican Council, which is, again, another council that has equal authority to Scripture, here's what they added they doubled down on this idea of equal authority by introducing the idea of papal infallibility, which means the pope cannot err when he declares doctrine for the church. And you say, well, does he just always walk around spouting scripture? Is that it? No. It's called whenever he speaks ex cathedra. And that's simply Latin for from the chair or more truly from his throne. So when the Pope sits on his throne as the human ruler and representative of Christ on this church for the entire church, as they believe, when he sits in that chair and says, he can say, basically, thus saith the Lord, and it's to be treated equal with Scripture. And so, in Vatican I, they say, here's what they do. It's self-authenticating. I now declare that what any Pope says is infallible there's not even and what that means is popes can't even have the possibility of being wrong not even the possibility we're not talking about maybe they could usually they are they don't even have the possibility and i'm quoting directly from vatican one but and, and let me just say this That wasn't introducing anything new. It had developed even from the time of Luther. They are now just making it official doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. But it doesn't stop there. Vatican II took place in the 1960s. And the reason Vatican II is important is because that was the effort of the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church to modernize the church, to make it more palatable To the modern era. In order, in other words, you're starting to lose people because you're so archaic and your thinking is so uh, hierarchical and top down. And you know, people aren't into that. They're in bottom up. They're into the people movement. So they try to modernize it. And at Vatican II, they did some radical things. They said, "Hey, it's okay for you to read the Bible in the common language of your in your own common language. You don't have to use." A Latin Bible, to which we all say, wow, that's awful big of you. But you've got to understand, ever since the Council of Trent, the official translation was the Latin Vulgate of the Roman Catholic Church, and that was the Word of God that you were to use. Well, they're lightening up here in Vatican II, and they're saying, hey, guess what? You can start using a Bible in your own language. Not only that, we're getting really generous. You can even read the Bible. You can study the Bible. So that sounds like they're really opening up, right? It almost sounds like what? What does it almost sound like? The Reformation almost... Well, maybe they're reforming. Hey, this is... You know, we're coming together. This isn't a us versus them. It's coming together. But notice what Vatican II said. The sacred tradition, sacred scripture and the teaching authority of the church, there's the three-legged stool, are so linked together that one cannot stand without the others. This is 1900s. So yeah, you can read your Bible, but understand this, whatever we say as, as popes and bishops, and whatever we determine as church councils, and whatever has been passed down through the Roman Catholic Church is still equal to Scripture. So remember that as you read your Bible. Wow. Not only that, and notice, 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 notice what that does to the authority of Scripture. I don't care how uniquely inspired you say it is, when you say it's linked with fallen human people and fallen human doctrines and religious teaching, you have just brought Scripture down to that level. And Luther's right. You've spit in God's face. They are so linked together that they cannot stand without one another. Wow. Not only that, but look at this. Vatican II went on to say: the task of authentically interpreting the Word of God, whether written or handed on. So again, see, it's always they're always saying, written or traditions, handed down, written or Divine revelation from God, teachings from men equal. No matter the task of authentic, authentic, I can't say that now, authentically interpreting the Word of God, whether written or handed on, has been entrusted exclusively to the living teaching office of the church. So who is the only person who can authentically, authoritatively, and accurately interpret the Bible for you? The Pope, and the bishops, and the councils—wow! So even though you're, a, hey, read your Bible, hey, have Bible studies, hey, those Protestants—they're—they're they're, they're okay, you know—they're—you know—they're not us, but they're not as bad as they used to be. We're—you know—let's all get together. No, no, this is, this is, this is no different than what Luther faced. Now, having said that, let me say this: letting anyone. Letting anyone or anything have equal authority or greater authority than the Bible is nothing new. This is not new. So I don't want you to think that, oh, it's all the Roman Catholics. They're the evil people. You know, They're the enemy. If we could just deal with them, then this problem would go away. No, that's not the case. Scripture plus didn't begin with the Roman Catholic Church. And let me tell you, it didn't end with the Reformation. People are still saying scripture plus other things have equal or greater authority. So let me give you uh, since we're supposed to be proving things from the Bible, Adam and Eve sinfully fell by letting this happen in the garden when the devil said to them, "Has God said?" What the devil was doing was adding to scripture. God had spoken. And if you were going to if Adam and Eve were going to live by scripture alone, they would have said, "It doesn't matter what you're what questions you're asking." Scripture alone. God said, do not eat. Has God said, and I want you to see, real and we can't develop this, but I want you to see that the 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 basic way false teachers and demonic the devil seeks to undermine the word of God is begin by asking questions to cause doubt. Oh well, I I'm not I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking a question. I'm just asking the question. Well listen. Don't mistake what I'm saying. Questions to discover truth are good. Questions to plant doubts are bad. Questions from a sincere heart to discover what God has said is good. But when you already know what God has said and He hasn't stuttered and you begin to question that and cause others to question that, well then, you're in the camp of the devil. Not only this, Adam and Eve... How did that play out? Because in Genesis 3, once he planted that doubt with, has God said, Eve began to look with her senses and see that it was good to eat. And she started thinking, I want to be equal to God. What happened? Suddenly, instead of scripture being over her, what's the authority? Her senses, what I see, what I hear, what I think. And suddenly, Scripture alone became Scripture Plus, and the whole world has been plunged into sin as a result of that. This is serious stuff. Secondly, Jesus severely rebuked the religious leaders in his day for doing this very thing. So, uh, keep your finger there in in 2 Timothy. Turn to Mark 7. Turn to Mark 7. So, what I want you to do is, this is, Scripture Plus has been... uh, the the devil's plan from the beginning, okay? So all we're doing in the Reformation is looking at one historical incident of it. But Scripture Plus has always been the devil's plan. So look at Mark 7 and look at verses 5 through 9. This is Jesus directly dealing with this issue of of Scripture Plus. Notice what he says. Mark 7, 5. The Pharisees... And the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? Hey, why don't they follow our religious authority and our religious rules? Scripture plus. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. So you see the progress. Scripture alone, and then you add, equal, the teachings of men, but in the end... It takes precedence over Scripture, and it starts setting Scripture aside. Jesus lays it all out there, right there. And now go to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Paul warns us that this is a... to constantly, he seriously warns us to constantly be on our guard against doing this very thing today. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. It's just... See, Scripture alone is so exciting because it's so relevant. It was so relevant. And that's what happened. Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, Hubmeier, these guys in the 1500s, all of a sudden, the Bible got cracked open, and people are reading these same passages that we're reading, and they're like, wait a minute. That's not what God's Word says. God's Word says the opposite of that. So look at Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men. Now look at that word captive. Scripture plus enslaves people to the thinking of the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is why Luther wrote that, that one letter, the Babylonian captivity of the church. Because he's saying, look, this doctrine of Scripture plus And the seven sacraments are bringing the church into captivity. That's a a Pauline. That's a very biblical idea. So he says, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. We're going to see eventually in this series, Scripture alone equals Christ alone. And there you go. Now look at verse 9. Why is it? that we don't want to make the traditions of men equal to Scripture because in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. The Pope can't say that. Bishops can't claim that. Pastors can't claim that. Kings, rulers, and presidents can't claim that. And in Him, you have made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. Powerful, powerful passages. We are still today... And this is the next point. Today, we are still tempted to let many things have equal or greater authority in our lives than Scripture alone. Would you agree? And you know what? Every one of us. Guilty. Guilty. Tempted. And we often succumb. So, please get listen to the grace of what I'm saying. We are not picking on just the Roman Catholic Church. We're picking on any religion, any political authority or government or any individual including ourselves who say we believe scripture alone but in reality we live scripture plus. Are you with me? Does that We do that. And I'm going to show you how that plays out. Listen, Scripture plus may have begun in the Garden of Eden, but it is more common among Bible believers today than ever before. Listen, we're not just doing this for a a historical exercise of something that happened 500 years ago. I am telling you, more than ever, so-called Bible believers who go to Bible preaching, even Baptist churches are tempted and living, and not only living, but starting to encourage others to live in a manner of Scripture plus. So Paul says, be on your guard. Don't be taken captive. So here's, you say, well, how does it, you know, when does this happen? Well, listen, this happens anytime anyone says things like this. If someone says, and again, you don't pounce on people and say, aha, you're a papist spitting in God's face. You know, don't pull a Luther on him, okay? But realize this. When you hear someone say, I can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. What just became the authority over Scripture? What? The person speaking and specifically their thinking, their Opinions, and there I can't believe I personally can't believe in a God that would send people to hell. But if the scriptures teach that, who's going to have the who, who's authority? Okay, or it happens when someone says I can't believe in a God who doesn't approve of same-sex marriage. Scripture plus, I know what the Bible says about sexual sin, but I think my actively homosexual friend is still a good Christian. And who are you to say otherwise? Well, the answer to that is, I am no one but Scripture alone. What does God say? Okay. I know what the Bible says about sex before marriage or after marriage, but we're in love and God is love and wants us to be happy. Scripture plus in putting our happiness, our feelings, our thinkings over Scripture. The Bible says to not touch God's anointed, so you must follow me without questioning me. This is a favorite one of some uh, uh, very authoritative pastors. So this isn't just a you know this is this is an in-house thing too. And what became greater than Scripture when you make that claim? You know the Bible says don't touch God. See, you can always you can use you can use Scripture to justify Scripture plus. So don't touch God's anointed. Therefore, you must follow me without questioning me. What has become over Scripture? Come on, you got you got to be discerning. When that person says it, what has become over Scripture? Huh? Yeah, that pastor has become now the authority over Scripture and is really no different than what the Pope or a bishop or a cult leader is saying, right? The Bible may teach a six-day creation, but we know that the theory of evolution is a scientific fact. What have we now put over Scripture? A scientific, and it's important to say, theory. Because evolution is a theory. It is not a provable, repeatable, scientific fact. And so there's all, you know, so I'm just trying to open your doors, open your doors, open the doors of your mind to how this goes around. So today, we're still tempted to let many things have equal or greater authority. So there's your options. Look at the chart in your notes. There's your options. I can either live by Scripture alone, Scripture equal, or Scripture under. And let me say, couple things before we dive into that. First of all, just because you may be in scripture alone today doesn't guarantee that you will remain there in the future. Because often what happens is a loved one falls into sin or takes an alternative lifestyle and then suddenly our love for them puts us over to its scripture equal or scripture under. Or we go through a crisis and it causes us to doubt God, and suddenly, Scripture alone, we're, we're questioning that. And it's okay to question that, but you need to question it within the community of, of this local church, you need to question it within a community of godly believers, and you need to go back to Scripture to have those concerns and doubts answered. So, here's the option. Scripture alone. Scripture alone has final authority over, and it's kind of three areas. Traditions, reason, and experience. But I've added to those ideas so that you can kind of see them in a more modern context. Traditions meaning maybe government authorities, maybe church authorities, maybe family authorities, okay? And then reason. What do we mean by reason? Well, philosophy, science, all right? It doesn't mean we don't believe in science. We just know that the conclusions of men can be faulty and therefore if a conclusion comes counter to the scriptures properly interpreted we go with the scriptures and we wait for further evidence make sense experience man this is where our culture's at this is where our culture is at well look god made me this way so my sexual sin is okay but that's putting your experience and cultural ideas over Scripture. So, the second option, which is where the Roman Catholic Church, uh, as I just read to you, Scripture is equal in authority to these three things. Okay, They're equal in authority, particularly to the traditions and authorities of the Church. Then the third option is Scripture under, where you just say, look, uh, human reasoning scientific theories, religious ideas, all of these things are over Scripture. Now, I've already said to you, and I hope all of you, I hope all of us today are in the Scripture alone, at least in our beliefs, hopefully in our living. But that doesn't guarantee that we're going to always remain there. We need to be on our guard, as Paul said, right? And the, Roman, the the church as a whole didn't get here overnight. It's a process. It's a process. But let me say this. Scripture equal, the Scripture equal position always ends up Scripture under. So, d- d- you know, there's not really three positions. The Scripture equal is a transition to Scripture under other things. So, there. There. Now, just as a couple reminders, we talked about what Scripture alone. Let me kind of affirm to you what Scripture alone means. Scripture alone means, it means plus nothing. As the ultimate standard, the final authority, it means plus nothing. So circle ultimate and circle final in that word. There are other standards in life. There are other authorities in life. But the ultimate authority is Scripture plus nothing. Think in terms of Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus said, one of the most important passages regarding the Word of God, Matthew 4.4, 4, quoting Deuteronomy 8, Jesus said to the devil when tempted in the wilderness, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Scripture alone doesn't mean we don't eat anymore. It means we still eat physical food but Scripture alone is what we really need to feed on for spiritual health. Does that... You see what I'm saying? So, I just don't want you to get this idea. So, when we say Scripture alone, it, it's really popular now to judge Christians in the, me, in the media and the culture to say they don't believe in science. So, the thing... The big hashtag is, I believe in science. Well, we believe in science. But science is not our final authority. And theories... And conclusions that can be faulty are always judged by Scripture. Again, we wait for further evidence. And here's the good news. Whether it's archaeology, physics, uh, 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 fossils, there's been nothing yet that has been discovered by man that has countered this word. And in fact, often when they think the word is wrong, given time, archaeology continually affirms the authority in the validity of Scripture. So, number two, it doesn't mean other things are not useful. It doesn't mean other things are not useful. All right. We'll talk a little more about that next week. So, that's the Roman Catholic Church. Well, here's what Luther and the Reformers believed. What did Luther and the Reformers believe? They believed and lived by sola scriptura. They believed and lived by sola scriptura. Now, they did it imperfectly and not always as consistently as some radical reformers. They they didn't go all the way on believers' baptism. They didn't go all the way on separation of church and state. We recognize that, but they did believe and live this. And as I they I review what luther's life was really if you look at luther's life that like we've done the last couple of weeks it's basically him discovering sola scriptura and beginning to apply it okay indulgences oh sola scriptura oh i need to recant well if you can't show me from scripture I will not recant here I stand. I can and just basically you trace his whole life. He is living out. Now, did he go as far in living it out? Did he do it perfectly? What's the answer? No. no. And last time I checked my life, am I doing it perfectly? No. The question is, is the trajectory of your life like the reformers? Are you going towards living consistently? By Sola Scriptura. You know, more and more consistently. Okay? Now, so you can read that. You can read his quotes. They're they're very clear. His quotes are very clear regarding Sola Scriptura. So, Sola Scriptura is not just a conviction to stand on, but also a lifestyle to live out on a daily basis. We want to live Scripture alone alone. We want to live this out. Amen? So, while I want you to memorize the five solas, right? I want you to memorize them so it beca- you begin to live these things out in your lifestyle. Now, because the Reformation was a back-to-the-Bible movement, and because we're teaching Scripture alone, where is Scripture alone best taught in the Scriptures? 2 Timothy chapter 3. So, turn your Bibles there to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's pick it up in verse 14. As I thought on this this week, does it surprise us that Paul, in this passage, is laser-focused on what is essential to finishing well, and that's a sola scriptura. Listen, if you want to finish well and fulfill your ministry in the Christian life, Scripture alone... It's not by accident that the Apostle Paul is in prison. He knows he's about to be martyred for his faith. He writes to his dearest disciple, and you know what he teaches him? Scripture alone. Scripture alone. Timothy, my last words to you are Scripture alone to finish well and fulfill your ministry. So let's, let's read those. Let's read, beginning with verse 14, and we're going to go to chapter 4, verse 8. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. You've been living it out. Keep on living it. And that from childhood you have known what? The sacred writings, that is the inspired scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, and you could also say the woman of God, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It is all sufficient. Now, here's he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, his coming kingdom, put your finger in the air, determine which way the wind is blowing, and go in that direction. Check the culture and make sure you can relate to it in a way that is pleasing and accepting to draw them in. You all should be like... Wrong. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When it's easy and when it's hard. When it's acceptable, when it's unacceptable. When you are persecuted and when you are applauded. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Scripture plus. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then when you drop down to verses 6 through 8, Paul says, this is what I've done, and I'm finishing well. Timothy, run the race, fight the fight, finish to the end. Wow. Okay, so in conclusion, here's what I want to give you. Here's our definition for Scripture alone. I like trying to make these things as simple as possible. And we'll pick this up, and we're going to expand on this definition next week. But here it is, Scripture alone. Basically means, this is as simple as I can make it, the Bible is uniquely necessary. The Bible is uniquely necessary in bridging the gap to know and glorify God. Unique meaning there is no other authority or book. Necessary because without it, you can't bridge the gap to knowing God. Is that good? And guess what? It's not so much today, but what, did, what used to be printed on the front of Bibles? What two words? Holy Bible. holy Bible. And holy means unique. And Bible means book. Basically, on the front of Bibles, used to be script, basically printed Scripture alone. This book alone is unique among all books. Isn't that cool? Well, I've given you... And we'll look at this next week. The London Baptist Confession. Because as I'm looking at these, these these are hard doctrines. So is your head hurting a little bit? That's okay. That's okay. Because we're here to learn. We're here to think. But as I study this, this page has everything that I would want you to know about Scripture alone all in these ten articles. We'll break that down and look at that and talk a little more next week about why it's okay to have confessions and creeds, even though we believe in Scripture alone. But for now, man, I hope you leave here just with a grateful heart and with a convicted heart if your Bible has been left unopened this week or this month. For these past months. I hope that you're motivated to open the scriptures this week. And if you need help with that, email me, text me. I will help you with that. We can help you with that. But wow, what an honor, amen, to have the Word of God, the holy, uniquely necessary Bible. Let's pray. Father, we come, and uh, we have nothing to say if we didn't have the Bible. And whatever we say is only authoritative as it agrees with and is submitted to the Bible. Lord, I commit myself again to be captive to your word. And I pray for each person here and their struggles, there's burdens, there's temptations to let something other than Scripture to add plus equal or greater authority. And I pray, Lord, we would resist that temptation. And we would cling to your word, even when all the world's going in the opposite direction. And may we cling together in our grow groups, in our classes, and in our congregation, Lord. May we be a people of the book, in this book above all other books. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need help, let me know. I'd love to get you in the scriptures.